some of these things in the House bill are not that popular with a number of senators. And, and I would say this, at least from what I've read, there's not a single Democratic House of Representative or senator that is in agreement with this in its entirety. And there are several Republicans that are not so sure either, particularly Republicans that are in California, New York, New Jersey. Basically, it means this tax cut for a number of taxpayers is actually, it's false. It's actually a tax increase. This will be the most engrossing, fascinating, and hilarious episode of Your Money, Your Wealth you'll ever hear. Well, okay, maybe not. But it will be some actual news you can really use about the ever-changing landscape of tax reform, why the promised biggest tax cuts ever are actually a tax increase for many of us, and how it will affect you, those sneaky, sneaky Congress people. And Joe and Big Al have a yarn with Joe's fair dinkum, true blue, Aussie fine arts painter mate, Pete Talak, on finding your passions in life, couches at the bottom of swimming pools, and getting thrown out of Christmas parties. Now, here are Joe Anderson's CFP and Big Al Clopine CPA. I guess it's all up in arms right now, Big Al. Well, it is. And I, I tell you, if you if you follow income taxes at all, and, and many people do because that's one of many, our biggest... Many? I would say... <laughs> what is your definition of many? Uh, more than two. Yes. <laughs> Well, let me let me say it differently. I think they I, care about I the taxes they, that they pay. I think but they, they care about it. They, and, they, and, fo- they, they follow their own tax bill. Yes, and this this week there was so much news on taxes. That's why we want to kind of devote our show to taxes. But in case you haven't noticed or haven't been paying attention, so the House of Representatives came up with their own plan. They actually announced it uh, on November second, Joe. This was the Ways and Means Committee that uh, came up with all kinds of stuff. Now, this is a proposal. i got to say that right off the bat. This is a proposal. This is not law. So they come up with this proposal, and we'll kind of dive into that a little bit more. And then uh, the Senate uh, decided, well, we're going to come up with our own proposal, which they announced on Thursday of, of this week. And the two plans are, they're, they, they have similar changes, but there are several differences. And so what, would, what could happen, potentially, is the House could approve one and the Senate could approve another, then they'd have to be reconciled to where the both House and Senate would approve. Now, of course, if you if you follow politics at all, you know that the Senate, there's only 51 or 52 Republicans right now, and, they, and you need 50 to be able to pass this. And so you, you basically need all Republicans on board. And the Republican Party, as you probably know, is not very um, unified right now. And there are certain things in both tax acts that are are not going to appeal to certain Republican senators and House of Representatives. And then you got the Democrats can filibuster because you don't have a super majority in the Senate. So there's there's all kinds of hurdles, I guess, for this to actually happen. But uh, pretty interesting. I mean, this if, if anything like this goes through, this will be the biggest change, Joe, I would say, since 1986. Correct. The Tax, the tax Simplification Act. This was under Ronald Reagan. Which wasn't that simple. It wasn't very simple. It was uh, it was a whole lot more work, and accountants kind of rejoiced in a way because they knew they'd be employed for another several decades. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's kind of dive in um, into what. Let's start with the House because what's at the uh, Tax Cuts and Jobs Act? Yeah, exactly. So it's the uh, promise uh, to uh, file your return on a postcard. 
But. Right. And so I'll just try to kind of highlight some of the things. So they would change the brackets. Right now we have seven brackets that start at 10% and go to 39.6. The House would, uh, their first bracket would start at 12% and go to 39.6, but there's only four brackets. And in general, it takes longer to get to the higher brackets. So, so the whole idea is the tax rates are coming down for most people. For example, the 12% bracket would be for single taxpayers up to 45000 a tax income, married up to $90,000 of income, and the 25% bracket for single would go up to a couple hundred thousand uh, of taxable income and 260000 for married. And that 39.6%, that highest bracket, that wouldn't kick in uh, until a million bucks for married couples and 500000 for single. What's sneaky about this is that the top bracket is not 396 it's 45.6. Yeah, well, for, for 200000 of income. And let me explain. Because, because it phases out the right. lower bracket. That's right. So, exactly. So, when you when you make a million dollars 001, that extra dollar is going to be taxed at 45.6%. And the reason for that is is they said that once you're in the highest bracket, you don't get the benefit of the 12% bracket, and you got to pay that back over the next $200,000 of income. So, it's it's this kind of a weird thing. You get to 39 Point six, and then it's 40, 45.6, and that goes back down to 39.6 once you paid back that benefit. So here again, we talk about tax simplification. It couldn't be more complicated to have the, these brackets, these marginal brackets move all over the place. Well, and you and I have been doing this long enough where it's all political rhetoric. It, it, they're saying, all right, well, let's simplify this. Let's get it down to a certain amount of brackets. The top bracket will stick at 39.6, which changed because f- from the campaign trail, it was 35, even as low as 33 at one point. Right. Right. And then, then it went to 35. Oh, okay, well, wait, we'll go to 39.6. But now the highest rate is not 39.6. Yeah. Some taxpayers are going to pay that 45.6%, almost 50% tax rate. If you live in the state of California, if, you, if you're at that level of income, right. add another 13% on top of that, you're at 60%. Right, exactly, Joe. And, and because the fact that one of the big things here, you probably heard about this, is state and local income taxes would not be deductible in the House plan. By the way, the Senate plan, that's true as well. So taxpayers in California, New York, New Jersey, high tax paying states would basically have their taxes go up a fair amount. And I'll tell you this, if you're in the highest bracket right now in California, 39.6, that's a federal bracket, but you live in California, if you lose the state tax deduction, it's as if your taxes went up over 5%. Right, so now instead of paying thirty nine point six, you're you're paying close to forty five percent with the loss of the state tax deduction. Right, and then you phase out the twelve percent bracket. What does right. that what does that then, bring you? There's another six percent you add on top of that. Right. So uh, anyway, a couple more things. Uh, the standard deduction would almost double, Joe. The single standard deduction is sixty three fifty right now. It would go up to twelve thousand dollars, and the married is currently twelve thousand seven hundred dollars. Would go up to twenty four thousand. Now that standard deduction is—it's just like a free deduction. You get to take either that or the or itemized deductions if they're higher. If you don't have enough to itemize, you take the standard deduction. So the idea is that—and this will make taxes simpler for some because they won't have to itemize because it's a higher standard deduction. Right, but they're they're not going to itemize anyway because you can't write off your state tax. That's right. Right, you can only write off five hundred thousand dollars of your mortgage. Right. Right. 
miscellaneous well, the, medical expenses. That, that's that's true. There's a lot of itemized deductions going away, and the and the second part of this is the exemptions. Personal exemptions would go away, so they're increasing the standard deduction, which may or may not be helpful for you. And then, but your exemptions, you got five kids. That's that's four thousand fifty dollars per per person in your family. That that would be t- basically twenty thousand dollars of of deductions for the kids that you wouldn't have anymore. Right. Well, I mean, look at it like this. Let's just say your husband and wife with a child. That's exemption, 4000 per person. Yeah, yeah. That's so $12,000 that is gone. That is gone, is right. Let's say you're, you're going to itemize because you live in California. you got a mortgage. And so you're going to itemize. So you basically just lost $12,000 of deductions. Plus more, because talking about the itemized deductions, Joe, the, um, the, let's start with the mortgage. The, what the house wants to do currently, you can borrow up to a million dollars on your home and deduct that interest. So the house wants to reduce that to $500,000, meaning that if you borrow, let's say you borrow $700,000 to buy a home in, in, in Southern California, which is not that uncommon, really, uh, then you can only deduct the, the interest up to the first $500,000 of the mortgage, and the other interest on the other $200,000 that you borrowed is non-deductible. So you're losing a tax deduction. They're also getting rid of, as we already mentioned, state and local taxes. And that's a big deal for California residents and New York residents, New Jersey residents. It doesn't matter at all if you live in Nevada because there is no tax. It doesn't matter. But when it comes to high state uh, paying taxes, taxes, then you've lost a big deduction. And and the reason, by the way, the reason why they have that deduction is so that you're not paying taxes twice, right? They're figuring if, well, you do have to pay taxes twice. You have to pay federal and state taxes, but at least you get a a deduction. You get a break for paying state taxes. Get a break for paying twice, you know, taxes to two different agencies. So that would go away. They're saying that property taxes, yeah, you can still deduct those, but if your property taxes are above $10,000, that's the limit. So if you got a property taxes of twenty grand, you can only deduct ten thousand dollars of that. Uh, charitable contributions would basically stay the same. So there's not much change there. But all the miscellaneous itemized deductions are gone. So no unemployee un- un- unreimbursed expenses, no tax preparation fee, no advisor fees would be deductible. That's and- the only thing that was kept. You can still deduct advisor fees, but you have to break the threshold of of, of, of 2.5% of AGI. Yeah, the 2%. And if you can't write anything else off on your miscellaneous, the likelihood of you being able to write that off is probably nil as well. Another big one, Joe, is the um, no medical. And so right now it's it's a big threshold. You got to be over ten percent of your adjusted gross income. So if you make a hundred thousand dollars, ten percent of that's ten thousand dollars. So you have to have medical more than ten thousand dollars to claim anything. Or seven uh, what seven and a half percent if you're over sixty. Well, it used to be that changed actually this year. So now it's ten percent for everybody. But I will say this: think about those that are older. They're in a long-term care facility. They're paying. Maybe seventy, eighty, ninety, a hundred thousand dollars a year. That previously was considered an, a medical deduction. In my example, then if you're making a hundred thousand of income, ten thousand, so you're allowed to deduct ninety thousand dollars of medical if you if you have that much. 
Now that's gone. So what what that means is that people that are probably need the help the most that have the high medical deductions don't get that deduction anymore. Now they're paying taxes at the same time when they can't really afford it. So as, as a consequence, some of these things in the House bill are not that popular with the, with a number of senators. And and I would say this: the at least from what I've read, there's not a single Democratic uh, House of Representative or senator that wants to uh, wants to, is in agreement with this as in its entirety. And there are several Republicans that are not so sure either, particularly Republicans that are in, like I say, California, New York, New Jersey, to lose that deduction. It basically, it means this tax cut for a number of taxpayers is actually, it's, it's false. It's actually a tax increase. As I record this, the House has passed their bill. We'll see what the Senate has up their sleeve. Maybe we'll already know by the time you hear this. Whatever happens, this is some complicated stuff, and yes, it is going to affect you. It's time to start taking a look at some end-of-year tax planning right away to help you not just this year, but for the rest of your life. How is this going to affect you? Are you going to change your affairs? What type of tax planning is going to make sense for you now that some of this might be coming into law? Find out exactly how. Call us at 888-994-6257 and make an appointment for a personalized tax reduction analysis. That number is 888-994-6257. The countdown to 2018 is on right now. Don't wait until the last minute. Get a forward-looking personalized tax reduction analysis by calling Pure Financial at 888-994-6257. Talking tax reform? Went through a, a we just rapid fired about a thousand different things we, in that first segment. We did, Joe, and there's a, a few more very important things I want to at least touch on, and that is alternative minimum taxes would be repealed, so there would be no AMT. Which actually, if there's no state and local tax deduction, it's almost irrelevant. It doesn't matter because that's why people get into alt min. They, there's a separate tax system. In case you don't know, it's called alternative minimum tax. You have to compute your tax on the regular way and on the alternative way. And whichever tax is higher, that's the one you pay. Well, in California, for single taxpayers, uh, married taxpayers, somewhere around a couple hundred thousand of income, it varies for everybody, but roughly, let's say $200,000 of income is where you start having to pay this higher alternative minimum tax. And the reason you have to pay it is because state and local taxes are not deductible for alternative minimum tax purposes. So the fact if they get rid of those in the in the first place, no one would be an altman anyway. Right, because it came about when people started creating large deductions. Right, right. Back in what the fifties or sixties or something like that, Correct. billionaires weren't paying taxes because there was, you know, they did good tax planning, I guess. Yeah, they did what they were told to do. <laughs> right, yeah. they created deductions and you know try to zero out their income. And the IRS was like, no, we got to come up with an alternative way to tax you. So they came up with the two different tax systems. So the larger deduction that people have, the faster they fell into alternative minimum tax. Right. And so with this new jobs act, or the, what is it, the tax act and it's something. It's the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. Yes. H.R. 1. Okay. <laughs> and so with that, it's all right. Well, they're trying to get rid of a lot of the deductions anyway to create a larger standard deduction where you don't itemize because some of the larger um, itemized deductions that people have is the state taxes that you pay, depending on what state you live in, right. your mortgage expense, right? 
And so it's well, if those are no longer available or they're they're not as high because you just take the standard deduction, well, you wouldn't fall into alternative minimum tax anyway. Right. So it does. It's the same effect. Yeah. Right. So anyway, but that that's repealed. What uh, one thing that does do though, Joe, is it makes tax planning a lot more simple because now we don't have two systems to consider; it's only one. So that that here, you know, check one off for simplification. I would say. Also, the estate tax goes away. Uh, the estate tax is when you have a you're an individual and you have an estate worth roughly uh, over five point five million dollars, or married couple roughly over eleven million dollars. You have to pay a, a an estate tax forty percent of of in excess of those numbers. Now, interestingly enough, when it comes to that estate tax, what the what the House is saying is we're not going to get rid of it right away. We're going to get rid of it in 2023. Right. They're saying that uh, let's increase the five and a half million exemption to ten million dollars uh, per person, uh, index for inflation from 2018 to 2023, and then at that point it goes away completely in 2023. And interestingly enough, you still get the full step up in basis of assets. Uh, for the estate, which is, that's what we've always been concerned about, because if estate taxes go away, there's no reason for a step up in basis. And a step up in basis simply means that, let's say your parent passes away and they bought a house for $100,000 and now it's worth $500,000. Well, when you receive that house as an inheritance, the tax cost is stepped up to the value at the date of their death, $500,000. And so when you sell it, let's say you sell it for $501,000. So you only have to pay tax on a $1,000 gain. So, And the reason they did that was because people were having to pay estate taxes, and it didn't seem fair to pay estate taxes and capital gain taxes on the same asset. Now they're saying estate taxes go away and you still get the step up. That's that's kind of interesting. And who knows if that will stick or not, but that's what's in the bill. Yeah. So I have here 5.6 million would go to 11.2 million, which would be 22.4 for a married couple. And you still have the portability. So if one person dies, then the surviving spouse would still get the 22.4 million. That's right. And then it would be totally repealed, I guess, 2024 would be gone, so the, through the end of 2023. Yeah, yeah. Michael Kitches right here. Yeah, and it's interesting because this is off the summary, and so even the information we're getting over the last week is inconsistent. Exactly. Because <laughs> I had not seen the thing about advisor fees going away, but at any rate. And then well, well, with the charitable deduction, too, Yeah, yeah. There's is a, that there's a little, well, instead of 50%, it goes to 60% with cash gifts when it comes to yeah, being I, able to deduct that? For charity, there's a couple positive changes. So right now, you can only deduct fifty up to 50% of your income when you write a check to charity. So you make $100,000 of income, you can only write a checks or totaling checks of $50,000, which most people don't do 50% of their income. But anyway, they're increasing that to 60%. Reason being is sometimes there might be a reason to write a check that big. Let's say your church is going through a building campaign and you want to donate a whole bunch of money in one year. So anyway, that's 60% instead of 50. By the way, that's if you write a 
check. A better way to do it is to donate appreciated stock. That's still, as far as I know, limited to 30% of your adjusted gross income. But that's a better way to go because whatever the stock or mutual fund is worth on the date of the donation is your deduction, and you don't have to pay that capital gain tax. So that's really a a smarter way to do it. Or if you want to give more than the 30%, do the first 30% with appreciated stock and then the rest in cash, and then you get that donation. Another quick thing is they're eliminating the the charity's um, requirement to acknowledge all donations over $250. I guess just making it easier for charities. Sure. And, uh, an- another quick note, too, on the mortgage expense is that all the new proposals was going to go into effect 2018, um, except for the mortgage expense. Correct. So if you still have a million dollar mortgage, you know, you're grandfathered in, you'd still be able to deduct it. But anything after November 2nd, so if you purchased a home November 3rd for a million bucks or you have a million dollar note on it, you're only going to be able to write off $500,000 if this goes through. Right. And then, so that was the only thing that's retroactive. Yeah. So anything that's good doesn't get retro. Yeah. And they they picked that date because that's the date they announced this to the public. Exactly. So they basically said if if you incurred the loan before November, November second, you get to keep the million bucks. If it's after, it's five hundred thousand. By the way, home equity loans, uh, where right now uh, under the current law, you can borrow up to a hundred thousand dollars and use it for any purpose and write it off on your taxes. Well, that would stay until November second and be grandfathered in after November second. If you take out new money from your home on a home equity loan, it's it's non deductible. So there's a lot here. Um, we'll see what happens. Visit the white paper section of the Learning Center at YourMoneyYourWealth.com to download our free retirement readiness guide. This guide contains little-known secrets about creating income to last a lifetime, making the most of your investing strategy in retirement, controlling your taxes in this crazy time of tax reform, and much more. You'll learn seven plays to help you get retirement ready despite the uncertainties we may face. Download the free retirement readiness guide from the white paper section of the Learning Center at YourMoneyYourWealth.com. Uh, we're talking tax reform once again today. A lot of different information that's coming out. Um, and this will continue to probably change as the weeks go by. Uh, we want to keep you abreast, though, of what, what they're thinking anyway. You know, some of um, the House and Senate agree on some things. Some of them they disagree on. So the Senate uh, came out with right. their plan. So sure. what are some of the differences there or what are some of the similarities? Yes, you are correct. And so I will uh, kind of go through some of these right now. As soon as I find my paper, here it is. Um, I guess one of the first things, Joe, is the uh, Senate bill would have, instead of four brackets, tax brackets, it would have seven tax brackets, which is basically the same as what we have right now. It would start at 12%, just like the House version, but it would go up to, I think, 38.5%. So there would be a, a slight change there. But if you look at some of the other main differences, the um, the mortgage interest deduction of the right now where you get to deduct interest on a million dollar loan, well, the uh, that would retain be retained in the Senate. The House wants to take that down to five hundred thousand dollars. So that's a that's a big change. Uh, the um, repealing a state tax, no, on the Senate. Bill, they still want to have the the estate tax, uh, although they do agree with higher limits. 
Um, but some other interesting, there's a lot of similarities, right? Both plans want to cut the corporate tax rates, which we haven't really talked about yet. So the highest corporate rate is 35%, unless you're a large company, I think it's 36%. Anyway, that rate would come down to flat 20%. So from 35 to 20%, so that's a 15% savings. And before you get all up in arms, there is some logic there, even over, in my opinion, even over above trying to increase jobs and spur the economy, is right now if the corporate rate's 35%, and by the time the, the corporation issues dividends to the shareholders, that's taxed at 15 or 20%, right? Which, which makes it a 50 or 55% tax right now, which is higher than the highest individual rate of 39.6. So to me, there was some adjustment needed there, so that there's a certain logic there. The uh, Also, the um, the pass-through rates, if you have an S corporation or LLC or even a sole proprietorship, what the House plan wants to do is is cap that tax rate at 25%. But before you get too excited, <laughs> the uh, it's only for a part of the income if you're actively involved in the business. R- roughly 30% of, of your profits in your S corporation, your LLC, would be subject to that 25% rate. The other 70% would still be subject to the ordinary income tax rate, which in the House plan would be still 396 Right. A lot of things um, going on. Al's just throwing out numbers left and right. If your head is spinning, uh, it should, because this is complicated. If you want more information, you can always go to our website at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. You can go to purefinancial.com. If you need some help or if you have a question, anything that you need, you can always go to purefinancial.com. What else is saying? Joe, a few other things. I I think this will kind of help. I mean, we'll talk about some of the winners and losers in the, in the Senate GOP tax plan. And, and as remember, we have a House plan going, we have a Senate plan going that was just announced on Thursday. But in terms of some of the winners, I guess, for this Senate plan is big corporations. As I mentioned, the tax goes down from 35% to 20%. This is something that Trump had been talking about for quite some time. Many small businesses uh, are organized as what we call pass-through entities, as I mentioned, partnerships, sole proprietorships, S-corps, LLCs. Uh, under the Senate plan, most pass-throughs uh, would would be able to take 17.4% of their income tax-free. So it's a little different system. The, the rest would be taxed at their regular rate. And what that effectively does is it, it, it allows businesses to have a lower tax rate than perhaps their, their individual rate. However, if you're a service business, no luck. You don't get this uh, this 17.4% of your income tax-free. And so service, I mean, we think of accountants, attorneys, financial planners, architects, anyone that has in the service business doesn't get any benefit from that. Uh, as I mentioned, people with homes, uh, the uh, Senate bill keeps the interest deduction on a million bucks uh, versus the House wants to bring it down to $500,000. The Senate plan keeps the medical deduction, which... I'll just give my opinion in one second. I think that's a good idea because people that have very high medical bills, do you really want them to have high taxes as well? Particularly if you're if your grandma or your mom, dad are in a in a long term care facility, do you, and that those long term care payments are generally fully tax deductible, and so it allows someone like that that's spending a lot of money six seven eight thousand dollars a month to avoid taxation I think that's a, probably a good idea also the Senate plan wants to keep the one-time credit worth thirteen thousand five hundred seventy for every child that families adopt 
where the House wants to get rid of that. And then finally, another winner in the Senate plan is college and graduate students would get to continue to deduct their student loan interest, which, gosh, in the days of high student loan interest, and you graduate from college and you're paying off these big loans to, to keep that deduction, I think, is a rather important thing. Yeah, that's taken away in the House plan, by the way. So the, here's the losers of the Senate plan, uh, the Senate proposal, is people living in high-tax states, such as New York and California, those uh, state and local tax deductions are gone in the Senate plan. So both House As, and Senate want to get rid of the state tax deduction. They're both consistent on that. So it, that's probably going away. Yeah, exactly. As I mentioned, the S corporations, the LSCs, they don't get the tax break on their business. The super wealthy heirs and heiress. Well, let's see what that has oh, to so say. Rockefellers? Sen- <laughs> the Clopines? The, not the Clopines, the Rockefellers. The Senate has opted to keep in place the state taxes. Uh, at the moment, they only tax, you know, as we mentioned, about $5.5 million dollars per person, $11 million per couple. They, they basically would roughly double that, $11 million to $22 million, which is different than the House. The House wants to do $10 million to $20 million. And so, but they would still, if, if your estate is above that, you still have to pay estate taxes. So that's a pretty big difference. The Senate wants to keep the state estate taxes, and the House doesn't. They want to get rid of it. And again, that only applies if you have more than $11 million of assets, if you're single, and, and $22 million if you're married, under the Senate plan. And then I guess I guess one more thing uh, that they're saying is the a loser is the poor. More than 70 million Americans don't make enough money to pay federal taxes. Many of these people currently receive money back from the government uh, because they qualify for refundable credits. Uh, on in the Senate plan, the credits aren't going away, but they're also not growing. They they get capped, and under under current taxation, they grow with inflation each year. So as time goes on, the poor will get less and less tax credits. Do you have enough saved for retirement? Do you have a retirement strategy? Can your portfolio and your retirement plan stand up to record low interest rates, skyrocketing health care costs, market volatility, increased longevity, changing tax code? This is getting crazy. Visit YourMoneyYourWealth.com and sign up for a free two-meeting assessment with a certified financial planner. There's no cost or obligation to you, and you'll learn highly effective strategies to transform your savings and income in retirement, minimize your risk, reduce your taxes, and help your portfolio portfolio withstand today's challenges in a stress test. Sign up for a free two-meeting assessment with a certified financial planner at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Uh, thank you very much for tuning in today. We're uh, just in dating. Is that a right word? In dating you? In inundating? Inundating. Yeah, that's a word. No. I don't know what the other one is. In dating? Is that I'm what not you dating. You're, are you in dating with your, <laughs> your fat cousins? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I think you're right. We were talking the last segment. Of, I mean, we spent three segments talking about taxes and throwing out all these numbers, and we know that that's not the most interesting thing for, for folks. So we're going to switch gears a little bit right now. So what else do you want to talk about? Well, here, one last thing I want to get into with tax reform. Okay. Is that I think there's there's a technique that we have used at our firm um, for the last since 2010, last eight years, uh, in regards to getting you more tax efficient and diversified within your overall retirement income planning strategy. Right. And what I mean by that 
is that there's different pools of money that you can invest in, and they're all taxed a little bit differently. You have tax-deferred monies, and I think most of you are familiar with those. That's your 401ks and IRAs. So you put dollars in pre-tax, it grows tax-deferred, and then when you pull the money out, it's taxed at ordinary income rates. Uh, There's capital assets, or taxable. So that's a mutual fund that you purchased in a brokerage account in your own personal name. And it grows in value, and you sell it, then you pay a capital gains rate, which is lower than the ordinary income rate. Then there's tax-free assets, such as a Roth IRA, or municipal bonds, or Roth 401k, or 403b, and, and the like. And we are big proponents in tax diversification to make sure that you're not only diversified within your investments, stocks, bonds, domestic, international, but also on the tax side of things. And we look at that first before we give advice on how the overall allocation should be invested via securities. And Roth IRA conversions is a key strategy for a lot of you. And what that means is that you're taking dollars from, let's say, a a standard retirement account. You're moving those dollars into a Roth IRA account. And the reason why you would want to do that is that all future growth of those dollars would never be taxed again. You'd not be subject to required minimum distributions. And then the heirs would not be subject to taxation when you pass. Also, it creates a little bit more diversification when you start creating income. Because if everything comes out of a retirement account, you have pension income, maybe real estate income, Social Security income, and then all of the other additional income is you're pulling from a 401k plan, I mean, you're all taxed basically at the highest rate, ordinary income. So, how we've tried to educate you over the years is to take a look to say, well, how much money do you have in tax-free accounts versus tax-deferred accounts versus taxable accounts, and make sure that you have the right mix there first, so when it comes time to taking withdrawals from the account, you can control your taxes long-term. So, a Roth conversion is that you're taking money from your retirement account and moving it into the Roth. You're paying taxes at your current rate today to have future growth tax-free and potentially put yourself in a lower bracket or keep yourself from jumping brackets later. So, one of the benefits of doing that is that you can recharacterize. And what that means is that you can say, all right, I want to change my mind. I moved the money into the Roth account, and next thing you know, you got a bonus at the end of the year, you have too much income, and it's like, I don't I don't want to pay the tax in this bracket. Or maybe you don't have the cash to even pay the tax. So you are allowed to take the money that you converted into the Roth and move it back into the retirement account and you have until October 15th, the tax filing deadline of the following year. The conversion needs to be done in this calendar year. So you have until 1231 of this year to do a Roth IRA conversion. You have until October 15th of the following year to recharacterize it. One of the things that they want to potentially get rid of is recharacterizations. That means that once you convert, it's irrevocable. Yeah, it, it's a done deal. It's a done deal, which isn't a bad thing. I, I, I mean, if you if you understand the strategy, I mean, that's the reason why you want to do it in the first place. You want to keep it. You want to keep it. <laughs> you don't want to recharacterize. Ninety um, percent of the time, that's probably true. But sometimes something happens. You don't have the cash. Um, you know, something happens in your life where you make more money, less money, whatever. So, there's another strategy that we piggybacked on top of this. And we opened up a few different Roth IRA conversions. 
So let's say you wanted to convert $10,000. So you're going to move $10,000 from your retirement account into a Roth. That's the number. That's the right number. You're willing to pay tax on $10,000. But we would suggest, hey, why don't you open up two of those in two separate Roth accounts, $10,000 each. So you have different account numbers in two different Roths. So you have $20,000 total converted, but you have two separate Roth IRA conversions at the same time. Then we would layer another level of complexity by saying, well, let's invest these a little bit differently. One, let's make sure that you're very safe with it. Because the number one goal is to get money into the Roth. If you don't want money into the Roth, then don't do this. right? The number one goal was to get money into the Roth, so let's just stay conservative. I don't know what the market's going to do. So let's put treasury bills in it. It might grow a half a percent. It doesn't matter. You got the money into the Roth. That was the main purpose. But in the second Roth, well, why don't we put that into an asset class that will give you a higher expected rate of return, such as stocks, like stock mutual funds. Or you could even do another level. Maybe it's small company stocks, or maybe it's small value stocks. Yeah, emerging markets. Or emerging market stocks, sure. right? Some other asset class that will give you a little bit higher variability of returns, of expected returns, just because they're a little bit more risky. So you'd open up two, and then you'd do that in the beginning of the year. Then you would wait until the following year, and then you would look to see which of those accounts is higher in balance. Did emerging markets do well? Well, this year, emerging markets are up hypo- what about 25 percent 20, already. Yeah. So your Roth, if it was in emerging markets, are up 25 percent. Your Treasury bill Roth is up 0.5%, 1%. So, in that scenario, you would say, all right, well, let's recharacterize the Roth that I put in Treasuries and keep the one that I put in emerging markets, and then you would just diversify out. So, that was just, in a sense, of using the tax code to your advantage to get the highest account balance possible with the least amount of tax inside the Roth. But if they get rid of recharacterization rules, well, then that strategy no longer will come into play. It is. And by the way, that's in the House bill to get rid of recharacterizations. We don't know if it's going to pass or not, but but stay tuned on that. By the way, that does not change your Roth conversion strategy. It just means you implement it a little bit differently. Probably instead of doing a Roth conversion in January, because you that, under current law, because you want as much tax-free growth as possible, you might wait towards the end of the year, since you can't undo it, to make sure what you know what your income is and know what tax bracket you're going to be in. But you'll still still want to do these Roth conversions, but at least we know this for sure. In 2017, you have the ability to do this strategy that Joe just outlined, which is do a one Roth in fixed income, one Roth maybe in stocks. You see which one is at a higher balance next year by October 15th. You keep that one, you put the other one back. What a great strategy, because if it's 10000 bucks, you're only going to pay tax on $10,000. Even though the account balance uh, next year is 15000 Right, or whatever it is. 12000 Yeah, right. yeah. One more time, as you just heard, this is really complicated stuff, and it is going to affect you. It's time to start taking a look at some of this end-of-year tax planning right away. It'll help you not just this year, but for the rest of your life. How is all of this tax reform going to affect you? Are you going to need to change your affairs? What type of tax planning is going to make sense for you now that some of this might be coming into law? Find out exactly how. 
Call us at 888-994-6257. Make an appointment for a personalized tax reduction analysis. That number is 888-994-6257. Don't wait until the last minute. The countdown to 2018 is on, so we're practically there now. Get a forward-looking personalized tax reduction analysis at no cost or obligation to you. Call Pure Financial at 888-994-6257. That's 888-994-6257. Switching gears here a little bit today, Al. Yeah, a little bit. We got uh, we got Pete, who's an artist, on the line. You know, I'm a big fan of art. And you're a collector. I just found that out. I didn't know that. Well, you, you know, Al? <laughs> You've got you, some culture, too. I do. A little bit. It's not I, usually I just... Thought, I thought your whole house was decorated with... Star Wars Star figures Wars stuff and Coors Light um, empty beer bottles. <laughs> That's right. But I do that have... That was what I was imagining. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> but no, I, there's a, a great gallery downtown, and walking by one day um, and saw some great art, and then there was a gentleman outside. He was actually painting some art. No kidding. Yeah. And I was with a good friend of mine, Mikey Martin. Happy Veterans Day. Right? And so we're looking at this, and all of a sudden Pete comes up to me, Pete Talak. And he starts talking this story about like his vision of the art and what and just drew me in even wow. more. Yeah. So if you come to my house, I actually have a few pieces of Pete's work, and uh, you know I'm pretty good with money. I've been a certified financial planner, been on air for ten years. Sure. And so when you look at investing, I think a lot of our clients invest in art, right? As because if it's good art, sure. Instead of the art that I see that you have. <laughs> In my office. Yes, I got to introduce you to Pete without, well, let's not wait any further. Pete, welcome to the show, my friend. I, well, I appreciate coming on the air with you guys, but I tell you what, I didn't mind just sitting here listening to you gloat about me. Oh. <laughs> yes, I've been... I was sort of enjoying that. I, I didn't realize how good I was until you spoke about me. <laughs> I think you should invite all of our listeners to come to your house, Joe, uh, to see pizza. Oh, yes. Yeah. We, I'm telling you. You would have you to go to my bedroom. Star Wars. Yeah, he has to roll up a lot of the Star Wars You got to hide the stuff in the living well, room. You know, Pete, we have this new segment. is like the worst purchase I've ever made. Um, <laughs> it's so, uh, yeah, I have a collectible uh, Star Wars collection. <laughs> I have a giant golf bag. But this is not the worst. This is one of the best investments I think I've ever made, is um, a couple of pieces of, of, of Pete's work. So, Pete, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Well, mate, um, I originally, obviously, with the accent, come from Australia, and uh, I was actually started off as an electrician and left Australia looking just for a little bit of surf and never came home. So I ended up uh, traveling the world for about 10 years just surfing, but little did I know I was really just getting an experience in life. And uh, further down the lines, ended up realizing I had a talent for painting and picked up a brush and uh, didn't come overnight, but... Because I wasn't bound by anything, like a lot of people are bound by their jobs and their family and everything, at that period of time, I had nothing except for time and love of life. And so I put all my effort into it, and little did I realize here I am down the road as, uh, well, in galleries and so forth. In fact, one of the galleries I used to look at back in the day when I was traveling through the gas lamp area was the Michael J. Wolf Gallery. And I used to look inside and just be amazed at the fine art in there. And uh, now I'm that guy in the front window. As you said, you walked by and here I was painting out the front with all my work in the front. And so um, I've sort of collaborated with all my travels and my experiences from everything, from people who had nothing to people who have had everything and still looking for things. And I put those into my stories of my pieces. And that's exactly what I tell. I tell stories. And so 
when you're discussing one of your best purchases of my work, there was something financial about it, but there was something very personal because once I told you that story, you understood and you connected with it. And that's one of the most amazing things that I found in my work that I finally have connected with people. There's so many people who buy art for the purchase of just fine art or so forth. But when there's something personal about it, it, it just makes a big difference. You're absolutely right because, you know, I had Kiss posters up as as a child. Did, did and that you, was my fine art. I thought I thought you had the Kramer. Remember that, uh, well, that from Seinfeld? The yeah, well, no, Pete hey, actually made nothing wrong with that Kramer poster. I can tell you that right now. There's nothing wrong with the Kramer poster. You know, it, yes. And then I, you know, then I, you know, grow, you know, then I had the, the um, what, what, Madonna, then we went to Prince, and that was my art. Got and it. then I thought people that would buy fine art, and I was like, oh my God, what, never. What are they wasting money? Yeah, and then you would hear, oh, it speaks to me. And I was like, oh, you are, you are, <laughs> whatever. Right? But with, and now, now it speaks to right. you. Right. And then so I'm walking down the street, yeah. downtown Gaslamp, and then I run into Pete. He's painting outside. I thought he was homeless and looking for a couple of bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Did he have shoes on? <laughs> no, he had no shirt on, hat on backwards. <laughs> oh, that was a diff- that's a different job that I've done in my past. But anyway. <laughs> uh, oh, it, it, he was just starting this piece. Got it. And then um, I looked in the window and I was like, wow, these are really, I mean, they're, they're really cool, right? Walk in and then you, 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 and you're right, Pete, it actually it spoke to me. So now I'm one of those guys that I have art that speaks to me. Yeah, well, uh, you know, a lot of people, a lot of artists leave it up to interpretations, but as you saw, I have a specific story, and the piece that connected with you was uh, a piece called Perspective, and um, immediately you had thought it was an interesting piece, but when you told, when I told you the story, what happens is that connection, and because it is so personal, um, the piece, the, uh, let me reference why it was so unusual, is because I put a lot of furniture in pieces. Um, in, in, uh, in places that are very, what would I say, uh, not realistic, yet it sort of fits in. So the one that you have as perspective is actually the couch at the bottom of a pool with people jumping in. And what I referenced that was is because the couch represents you. The difference between the house and the home is you. You create the home, and the center of the home is the couch. You come home, you sit back, you feel comfortable and secure, but it's got nothing to do with the furniture because you can always get a new piece and still feel comfort and security. So I use it there as your security, your comfort, and so forth. And I think of the pool as life because we're all in it. Only some people choose to sit and dangle their feet in it while others jump all in. And we only have one go at this thing, this whole life thing they talk about. And if you don't go for it, then you're going to miss out on so much. But understanding that when you do go for things, anytime you want to go for something, there's a greater chance you're going to fail. And we've been taught so many times that failure is something we need to avoid but failure is a learning a learning curve and if you're going to go for something anybody who succeeded is understand the true value of failure so if you've hit the bottom of the pool and you're looking up and you're like ambitious you're like well if this is as bad as it's going to get i might as well go for everything i want it's like when we were young we were taught to fail by throwing the rings into the pool and I've got the, in fact, it's my daughter that's jumping in. And Joe, you've danced with her quite a few times at your place where she's jumping in and missing the, the ring and failing constantly. But she's having fun at doing it. When she finally grabs it at the bottom and she succeeded, she's all excited. But she never realized that during that process, she's learned to swim. And that's what life really is, learning to swim. And that's why it's called perspective, because it's how you look at things. Yeah, I, I think if you just look at life, um, 
it's, it's sometimes you just get so caught up in the daily grind. And uh, Big Al, you know, always kind of goes, you know what, the ride is going to be the the best part of this, not necessarily the destination. So you got to slow down and get some perspective of, you know, the, the, the ride or the journey that you're on. And so that's why that's, you know, it was like, wow, that, that, that kind of makes sense. You know, it's you got to slow down a little bit to, to, to enjoy the ride, even though there's a lot of things that get thrown in your way. You know, I got to, you know, put my kids through college. I got to save for retirement. I got to pay off my debt. I mean, if you look at the financial um, perspective of things, but you, you have to just take a step back and kind of say, hey, I, I need to take challenges in my life. And if I do fail, that's a learning for me not to necessarily fail that way again. Yeah, and as you're, as in your job talking about investing, if you can take away those financial challenges, you can find the challenges that you love in other things. If you can make that an easier point, that's that's one of the biggest things that I think you guys teach. Yeah, all, all you got to do is buy a couple of Pete Talax pieces, <laughs> and then in about 150 years, boom! It's going to be worth got it. I hope it's a little faster than that, my friend. I'm working my butt off. <laughs> Oh, that's that's good stuff, Pete. I'm gonna have to see this this picture with the couch it, in the pool. It's it's called a piece. Well, you actually can. It's, it's actually, yeah, I, I do. Uh, the original has been sold, and um, I do do the limited editions. And there is one down at the gallery. It's it's, it's really pretty amazing um, of how many pieces that Pete has, and then when he when, when you kind of go through the gallery. Um, and you, you can hear him, and he's got a huge crowd around him because you just listen to the story as of of what the inspiration right, was, right. and in everything, it, it, it's it's not like a black spot. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, yeah, this really speaks to me because I was like dreaming, and I saw this spot, and the spot told me to paint. No, I mean, there's it's life. There's, there's real it's, stuff. Yes. Well, what's interesting to me, so listening to both of you, I, it's the, Pete, it sounds like your approach to life is the same approach that I try to take, and and sometimes you 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 don't always get there because life does get in the way. But I think that's it's such a good lesson that we only get one chance at this, and go for what you want to go for. Failure is part of the journey, and it's what makes you stronger. It's what makes you better. I completely believe all that. Yeah, and, and you know something, it's like there is nobody who has everything. That's the funniest thing. You know, if people look at me and go, oh, you got it all together. No, I sit there and I question everything I do. And I'm worried about everything and I stress. And everyone thinks this job as being an artist is, you know, oh, you must have so much fun standing at the campus. I'm like, no, I'm so stressed. This is a job. But it's a job that I freaking love, my friend. I love what I do because of the challenges. Yeah, I'm constantly paranoid. It's <laughs> I will vouch for that. <laughs> it's like when is this when is everything gonna come crash and burn, you know? And I well, wouldn't I, that just be your black dot, the black hole? Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> the black hole. Pete, I got some inspiration for you. <laughs> yeah, forty grand, black you know, dot. You know, you could paint that there one you yourself. <laughs> Oh. Hey, 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 don't take my job away from me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, Pete, any uh, last words of wisdom for our audience? Last words, mate. I got too many words of wisdom, but you know something? I'm constantly learning, and that's what I love about life. We're constantly learning. Go check out uh, either Michael J. Wolf, uh, the Fine Art Gallery online. Uh, I think it's mjwfineart.com or my site, petetillac.com, and uh, it's T I L. 
A-L-A-C-K. I think you're going to link it on uh, on your site as well, if I'm right. Yes. But, um, yeah, I've got videos on there t- talking about the stories. You know, the art's one thing. It's the story behind the art that I absolutely love. That's, that's the connection I've been looking for for life. You know, we've, we always try to find what, what defines us in life, and uh, this has been mine. Finally, the gift of the gab has worked for me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the, the holidays are right around the corner. And so uh, I want to invite you again uh, to get kicked out of my Christmas party. (laughs) (laughs) So, so I do my hardest to do that too. (laughs) So last year, right? We have uh, our the company Christmas party. We're downtown, yeah, San Diego. And then I was like, well, Pete, and Pete was downtown. I was like, well, stop by. You know, I forget where, where we were, Eddie V's yeah, or something Eddie like V's. that, right? Yeah. I go, it's casual. You know, it's the company, some friends, it's some family, whatever. It's nice food, have a cocktail, whatever you want. And so his beautiful wife and daughter, you know, they're dressed to the nines. Pete's usually like in a tank top, right, right with paint all over him. He actually took a shower and combed <laughs> his hair. And he comes. Hey, hey, you're going too far. I didn't say I shower. <laughs> and he comes to the Christmas party, and he, he doesn't. I, I didn't see him. And then Paul Miller, our uh, chief of, um, operating officer, like was g- gonna bounce him out. He's like, "Hey, who no are who? Who the hell are you? Get yeah. the hell out of here!" He's like, "Wait, no, I'm Pete. I'm Pete Talak." <laughs> you got to put it into perspective that everybody was dressed in um, in their nice black attire, their suits and all that. I had a red cap on, and it was a dressy shirt, a red dress shirt. So I stood out like a sore thumb, my friend. And I didn't expect that when I went in, but I, I was definitely loud. But I tell you something, once everybody was there, you guys have such an awesome team, mate. Uh, yeah, well, you were thinking it was going to be like a, 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 one of my backyard parties. <laughs> that's a little different scene. <laughs> no, that's when I wear the tank top. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, that's Pete Talak, folks. Hey, thanks a lot for doing this. I appreciate your time. Nah, thank you guys. I really appreciate uh, you having me on there, and also what you guys do. Hey, well, informing. That's what I'm trying to do too, mate. Inform. <laughs> now, being half Australian myself, I can tell you that Pete wouldn't have said couches if he was in Australia. He would have said lounge chairs. He just translated for us Yanks. But in the pool of life, the message would still be the same. Find your passion. Now, for even more useful information on personal finance, check out Your Money, Your Wealth, and Pure Financial Advisors on YouTube. We've got a brand new webcast on Investing 101. We've got the basics of estate planning to help you avoid the most common mistakes. And we've got planned giving strategies for creating charitable tax deductions on the latest episode of the Your Money, Your Wealth TV show. There are literally hundreds of videos to get you up to speed on just about every money topic that affects you. Just search YouTube for Pure Financial Advisors and Your Money, Your Wealth. Start binge watching with purpose and check back regularly. We're always adding new videos. Pete Talak, interesting cat, huh, bud? Great cat. It's funny because I, I certainly I heard the Australia accent. Well, we just said cat. We called Pete Talak a cat. A cat. Well, you did. I didn't. I just, <laughs> you were like great cat. I, I went. Yeah, I guess I did. We so, got a mate. I'll tell you what I really appreciate, Joe, is is the fact that here's a guy that's living his life on his own terms, how he wants to live it, and certainly when you do that, it's it's not the safe route. It's as Robert Frost said, it's the road less traveled, but it's a great road. I mean, you. 
probably have more highs and more lows, but you're living life how you want to live it. And and what a what a great way to go. And and of course, for for many out there that are artists, whether you're a painter or sculptor or musician, it's 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 difficult to make a living. But boy, can it be very very satisfying. And if you can figure out how to make it work financially, wow, that's awesome. Well, I think even more important is just the passion that someone has around what they're doing in life. Right. And when it comes to retirement and when people retire, sometimes they lose that purpose. They lose that passion. It's the depression potentially sets in. Yeah, because their job is kind of what gave them purpose. Right. right? Even though when they were working there, it's like, I hated it. Oh, man, I can't can't do this anymore. Right. But then all of a sudden, it's like you you miss the action. Yeah. Um, So finding that passion. And if you ever see Pete Payne or explaining, you know, his paintings. Yes. Um, He's it's, passionate. It's very, yeah, yeah. very. And yeah, so I, Pete spent some, um, a lot of time in New York because he's got a lot of cool pieces, um, you know, from the skylines and the taxis. Sure. That's the last piece I, piece I bought. I okay. Mean, How many um, do you have? Two. Two? Okay. Yeah. Get another one and uh, get the black dot one. <laughs> yeah, the black, I'm waiting for the black dot. <laughs> uh, but no, finding, keeping that passion no matter what you do, um, or finding new passions once you do no longer have like the nine to five. Um, once you retire, it's okay, well, what are you still passionate about? And, and then picking up new passions. You know, if you want to start playing an instrument or, you know, speak a different language or do whatever. Right. Like your favorite show we ever did was what taking a yeah taking a break here yeah a break here uh, yeah. yeah right and you didn't understand I said I had this article that said you can take a break it's I mean you think of taking a break when you're in a career right you you, you quit one job you take a year long break or six month break and you do some things that you're passionate about maybe it's in other countries and you come back refreshed and get back to the job but this was an article that said you can take your break here when you retire. Which sounds kind of weird, aren't you already retired? But not really, because when you retire, you probably have some kind of set routine in mind, but this would be something totally different before you even start that. And I guess the examples that were, it was in this article was this doctor that went to Alaska to become a stonemason, then he went to Tibet to learn their kind of medicine, and, and this other lady went to uh, Scotland to to. to I guess for knitting quilts and things like that. I mean, and she went to an elephant preserve in, in an African country. Right. And it's like, yeah, this is stuff that's kind of out of the norm. And, and I think what happens, Joe, when you, when you open yourself up to those kinds of experiences, it, it actually changes you for life. And it gives you new things, new directions to go. And even if you don't really end up really enjoying that thing that you did, it does show you that Anything's possible. And as John Wooden said in a, in a book that I read, he was 96 years of age when he said this. He said, he said, life is always, you should always be learning in life. He said, I have so much to learn at age 96. And that's what keeps you vibrant. That's what keeps you young. Right. When did he, oh, how old was he when he, he died? 98, so it was two years later. <laughs> but anyway, wonderful guy. Uh, wonderful lessons. If you ever get to read a book by John Wooden, I'd highly recommend it. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back again next week. Same time, same channel. So to recap today's show. How we pay our taxes looks to be changing in a big way, and we're right in the thick of it. Call 888-994-6257 to get help on making tax reform work for you. Special thanks to our guest, Pete Talak. Learn more about finding your passions in life and about Pete's art at PeteTalak.com. That's Pete, T-I-L-L-A-C-K.com. 
Subscribe to the podcast at yourmoneyyourwealth.com through your favorite podcatcher or on iTunes, where you can also check out our ratings and reviews. And remember, if you've got a burning money question for Joe and Big Al to answer on Your Money, Your Wealth, just email info at purefinancial.com or call 888-994-6257. Listen next week for more Your Money, Your Wealth presented by Pure Financial Advisors. For your free financial assessment, visit purefinancial.com. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. Your Money, Your Wealth opening song, Motown Gold by Carl James Pestka, is licensed under a Creative Commons license.